This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So hello and welcome to to this podcast, which is really intended to be a follow-on to navigating towards the future, specifically around um, racial healing. My name is Mary. It's my great joy to be joined today by three of my dearest sisters in Christ, my great friends that... Um, Together, we have journeyed through not just relationship, but a specific experience, which actually is why we have come together today to to discuss uh, something that we experienced in our hearts that's been quite significant. But before we get into that, by way of introduction, could we just go around and invite each of you to uh, say who you are and where you hail from? Um, before I hand over, just for those of you that are trying to identify my accent, as Julie often says, I'm not from Brooklyn. I'm from South Africa and um, have been in the States for two years now. So, um, yeah, my home country is South Africa, but I'm privileged and excited to be a first-generation American. And let's hand over to my friend over here. Good morning. I mean, good afternoon. Good afternoon, <laughs> Mary. Um, yes, I'm Sylvia. And uh, I was, uh, although I was born in Washington, D.C. as a very little one, I, um, I moved uh, and spent all of my formative years in uh, West Africa, Liberia. Okay, so you'd say those were your foundation years? Oh, for sure. All right, yeah. brilliant. When did you come to the States? I was uh, 13, 13 at that point. Okay, yeah. that's, yeah. that's going to be interesting information to, to start from. What about you, my lovely? My name is Alua Kemi, my full name, um, but I go by Kemi, and I am from Nigeria. And when did you come to the States, Kemi? It's been about 20 years. 20 years? Yeah. Yeah, you've got, you've got that beautiful, clear accent, but, we, but it's interesting, we were saying this earlier, whenever we just talk about where you come from, or if people ask you, your instinct is to say Nigeria, because that is, that is your home country. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. And then this lovely one. Hello. Hey. Um, my name is Alice. I am originally from Kenya, uh, which is in East Africa. Mm-hmm. And um, I came to the U.S. Uh, actually, I've been in the U.S. all my adult life. So that's well over 25 years. Wow. Um, and yet you still have a lovely accent which 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 I can recognize you know yeah. being African so um, it's so beautiful that somehow four Africans find themselves <laughs> in um, South Florida for such a time as this right yeah. and um, and we just feel like it's 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 crazy how none of this was designed but just looking back we realize that that that's who we are and that's where we've come from so here we are two black women two white women from Africa, and we're discussing, before we get to our experience and uh, that specifically drew us to this moment, I'd love us to just give some context to our understanding of racial healing and what our lives, or what, our, our position on that, what is, what's the context that we come from before this experience? And I'll start with me because 
I know even uh, even in chatting to each of you uh, before we met today, it was we feel like it's such a big subject and one that we've had different um, tendencies to want to steer away from because it's just so massive and so big and we don't want to misrepresent it. We don't want to come get, offend anyone. It's it's a loaded thing. So we're just so grateful that it's Jesus that's brought us to this conversation. We glorify him and we and we ask him to 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 allow us to share from our hearts in a way that would be healing and helpful to others. So ladies, thank you for being willing to do this. So as I ask that question about context, like where do you come from in terms of this issue? I'll I'll give you a, a taste of my context. The one um, freshest off the boat, if you like, only having been in the States for two years, I left South Africa, which is a country really uh, fresh from um, freshly uh, in the pain of, of, of the divide in the sense that we only had our first democratic election in 1994. So you can understand there is there is a lot of a lot of pain and a, and a lot of um, a lot of reality around the divide. So what is my context, you know, having grown up and um, in apartheid South Africa and then having my adult life in the democratic South Africa, or as we called it, the Rainbow Nation, I kind of had a taste of both both worlds in that country. But I, I had started to come feel really overwhelmed by the issue and helpless. As a, a 40-something white woman, I just felt like I didn't know what more I could do to make it better. And so if anything, when conversation would come up at dinner tables, as it invariably did, or opinion was passed in supermarkets, or when headlines came out and radio debates were on, I would actually, if, I, if I'm conscious of it now, I would turn away from it because I was just overwhelmed and probably a little jaded. Like I didn't know what else to say, I didn't know what else to really do. And so my response was to turn from it. And in my heart, I was sort of looking forward to coming to the States because I was like, well, this is great. I'm going to arrive at a country that's had a long time to integrate and, you know, people are just people and I, and I, want, to be, I want to be there. I want to be in that place so that we don't have to talk about it all the time and we don't, it doesn't have to be a thing. So that is the truth of my background on this thing. So it's amazing to be, as I say, here for such a time as this. Can I, can actually, let me go to you, Kimmy, if I can. Sure. Where, where were you at with um, the racial divide and how did you experience it maybe six months to a year ago? Where were you with that? Well, for me, I didn't grow up in Nigeria. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Japan and Brazil. And uh, some would say sometimes the only black person in many different environments. And the interesting thing about that is that I never saw it that way. People were just people. Yeah. Up until quite recently, um, a few years ago, I experienced a very painful work experience mm. um, that led me to understand that people did not see people the way I grew up seeing people. So color was um, a thing that I didn't necessarily know too much about. And then you were shocked by this react by this experience where it actually stood out to you, this is real. Yeah, extremely shocked. Discrimination is real. Yeah, that's that's got to be that's got to stir up pain. And 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 what were some of your emotional reactions to that? I think initially it was shock. Is this really happening? 
And then I started to think about those that perhaps have experienced it before me and those that are currently experiencing it. So it wasn't only my pain, it was the pain of others as well that I felt like I carried, that I was carrying. And were you coming alive to that pain almost for the first time? Yeah. Like you'd heard the stories, but now there was a reference for what it was that they walked through. Yeah. That's powerful. So that that we're talking about that being a a fairly, yeah, a year or so ago. Yeah, that was uh, about three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. But it's still so recent. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I get that. Yeah, and and we're going to go into recent uh, climate and atmosphere because it's pertinent. But the backstory is what we really we want to start with. As uh, Sylvia, can I can I ask you to share where you were at with all of this? Maybe just reference your life, like where where were you with a racial experience? Yeah. So the the beauty of how Africa was for me and in, in the beginning was my my mother was very excited about this adventure. For us, going to Africa was an adventure. And so I wasn't, I'd never felt like the minority that I was when I was there. And she did a beautiful job of teaching us the struggles of the African people and the Jewish people. So she made sure that she showed us the the very graphic miniseries of Roots and the graphic miniseries of the Holocaust. And so she was really, I don't know if she realizes how impactful that was for a a nine-year-old, which was the age I was at that time. And so for me, there was, like Kemi said, there was no difference. In fact, it was me wanting to make us all the same because I did see the disparity from a economic standpoint. I did, did see that as a child, and that was very difficult for me to, to, to witness that in Africa. And here's the part that I just say, this is the grace of God. I had um, some the most painful experiences of my life in Africa being betrayed by a father figure, um, you know, an African man who was like a father figure. And yet I never assigned that to the race ever. Mm. So for me, coming back to America and seeing the different struggles here, it, it was not pretty. I mean, I did see it in my high school, my junior high school. I was afraid of in my elementary and high school years, I'm sorry, in my in my high school years when I came back here, I did not have fear of Africans in Africa. I didn't. Wow. But I did hear of the African-American kids in the school. And why was that? I didn't, I didn't realize at the time what it must be like to be the minority in a school because I had been the minority and I hadn't suffered because of it. We'd integrated really well, African, European, everyone integrated very well in Africa. But when I came here, the, I didn't see that integration that way. It was very much... As they felt, Yes, they felt, I, I, they felt outcasted. So even though I might try to approach the same way I would have in Africa, I was met with a wall. Sure. And so that was, that was difficult to, to see. And to navigate. Yeah, and, for sure. And the contrast of that experience. I just want to reference before I move over to you, Alice, which, which I think is so important because I've spoken about how I felt just before I left South Africa. But remembering childhood days, which is what your, your sharing has prompted, is I was very aware of the disconnect of, of black and white behavior and treatment because I remember going to the store and seeing yeah. children standing without shoes. Yes, begging for food yeah. at the door and people were just so 
fine with it. And I yeah. remember saying, but we need to give this child some bread. And my mom would sort of sweetly go and say, okay, we'll buy some bread. But it was, it was just so painful. painful. Yes. And yet you realized the desensitization that had gone on with the adults who'd lived longer in this normal and couldn't see what I was seeing or feel what I was feeling as a child. Yes. So I think that's a beautiful thing to remember is, is, is those childhood because that's, that's when we're close to the truth of how we're made. Right, the true nature of God. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, Alice, I'd love to hear your, your uh, context on, on this issue, your life. So I'm Alice, and I'm originally from Kenya, uh, which is in East Africa. I grew up there, and um, I immigrated to the U.S. and have been in the U.S. for all my adult life. Really? Mm-hmm. But your, your formative years were in Kenya. How old were you when you moved? I was 19. Wow, okay. So a, a good chunk of your life started there. And you would normally answer where you're from and you would say Kenya? Yes. Oh, wow. And so here we are, four Africans in a room for such a time as this. So tell us about your experience in, in Kenya. So um, growing up in Kenya... I never saw color. I mean, I was born long after the uh, Kenya had gained its independence from a long colonial period. So Kenya was thriving and, you know, we were integrated. I went to school with uh, white kids and, you know, there was just no difference. Mm. Um, and so I never, I never realized the difference between us until moving to the U.S., and actually, I had learned about it in history, not really experienced it because we were already independent and it was long after. So I only experienced, you know, the difference when I moved to the U.S. And then I realized I don't really fit in uh, with the white kids. Neither do I fit in with the African-Americans. I have an accent, um, which I never thought I did because I spoke English all my life, but it was different. So you, you experienced segregation kind of from both sides, right. or, or rather, you know, that kind of divide was, was, was quite harsh for you then. And ladies, wow, so those are our backgrounds. Those are our contexts of where we've come from on this issue. And, and yet this, is, this has been a, a tumultuous time. I mean, we know that 25th of May, it was a big a big shock to the world that George Floyd was murdered in that way. Can we talk about what happened? Um, you personally, your experiences with that news when it broke, because we know that it's unearthed all sorts of social um, realities that we kind of navigating right now. And I'd love to hear how each of you responded to that news. I mean, I for one know that it was exactly absolute shock and as hard as it was to watch, I couldn't turn or I couldn't look away from this. It was like God was saying, I want you to, to see this. I want you to know. And, 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 and while I watched, I was, my heart's cry was, what do we do with this, Lord? How, how do we move forward from this? And, and I couldn't look away. So uh, I know there was, a lot of, there was a lot of shock, but a lot of people in, in my circle were trying not to look at it. That's what it felt like to me. There was there was a, a a pulling away from from this harsh reality, even in my midst. But it was something I couldn't avoid. Tell me how you uh, reacted, Kemi, when you saw that news. 
Uh, well, I, I, I really couldn't watch it. And my reaction was, you know, when will this end? Yeah. And what was, what was the talk like at home? The, was, was everyone in that same space? Everyone was in that same space. It was, it was quite a shock. Similar words that, you know, the same word that you used. It, yeah. was, it was a shock. And, and when will this stop? Was there any anger attached to the reaction? Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, it, it wasn't only about, um, it's almost like you felt the pain and the anger of the world almost mm-hmm. on your own shoulders. Yeah. So dealing with your own pain and what everyone else is feeling today. Yeah. It was loaded, right? Super loaded. Sylvia? I knew the image was too graphic for me to watch, and I wouldn't be able to forget it, and I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. It was so mm-hmm. painful that I wanted to wish it away. I really wanted it to not be real, especially following the Ahmad uh, Arbery case. I, I, that was one that I said, how, you know, again, again, you know, you're going, this can't be. Please let this not be real. Please let it not be that one human being did this to another human being. Sure. And very painful but also just listening to the African-American community and how much they were suffering, it was, it was very difficult. And there's that feeling of, we so, we, I really wish we were at a better place, like I thought we were at a better place. I actually agree with you, Mary. I thought we were in a better place because I had never heard my African sisters complain. I'd never, I thought we were okay. And so when I'm so grateful to a sister in this house who said the silence of, and this makes me almost want to cry, Mm. the silence of my white sisters is deafening. And that took me straight to Jesus. Like, Lord, show me where I've been silent and where I need to open my mouth. Yeah, that's so true. That was really a powerful thing that she said. And it really took me straight to the feet of Jesus on that one. I wanted to own whatever I needed to own. That's powerful. Alice, tell us. How did you feel? What went on? Yeah, I I felt angry. I was horrified. I did watch the video, but it was really, really graphic, too graphic for me. But it also brought up um, the feeling of despair. Uh, Is there hope? When will this ever end? Can this ever end? Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt a lot of despair within and helpless too. What was some of what, what, what did you, what was your conversation with Jesus like during that time? Like what, what was your heart's cry? What was your heart's prayer? When will it stop? Jesus, make it end, right? Right. Something I, like that? I, yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, God, this again, I mean, where are you? Can mm. you even stop it? That's powerful That's too. I, was I think it precipitated so much and it precipitated what happened with the four of us and some of our other sisters in a room at your house, Alice, your new house, which I found profound in itself, like something new happened. Three weeks after that incident, a group of us meet um, once a month or so on a Saturday. We call ourselves fire starters, so don't you love that? Um, and uh, <laughs> we, our intention was together, an old school church, we were, uh, you know, harbored home, we wanted to to uh, have some coconut salmon, which was your speciality, delicious, by the way, and um, some prayer. And we got a whole lot more than coconut salmon that day, didn't we, ladies? 
you know, Lord was, uh, he went before us. And I feel like I talk about that incident with George Floyd precipitating something because it certainly did for me. This issue that I'd wanted to shy away from and not touch because it felt too big and too messy. And like, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to navigate that well. And so I just turned away and I thought I'd come into America and away from it. And yet God's like, no, my love, <laughs> we have to go there. And in his kindness, he he had it happen here for some reason that I think was, again, we keep saying this for such a time as this. And he prepared my heart because I, I think I shared this with you before, but scrolling through um, Facebook and Instagram, there was so much commentary, but what held my attention and my gaze was um, some beautiful footage of Sean Vught and some others that were that were um, ministering at the site of George Floyd's death, where there were actually baptisms and there's a worship breaking out. And what struck me more than all of that were these heart-to-hearts that I was seeing happen between black and white, one-on-ones where people were holding hands, mm-hmm. praying, sharing hearts, listening eyes, soft eyes that were tuning in and listening, and soft voices that spoke their hearts. And what I saw there was not debate and um, opinion. I saw love and I was like I remember crying watching that and and so it was that that God had something of that in store for us and I say that as a precursor to what happened after coconut salmon that Saturday afternoon in your new house Alice because if you'll remember Mia initiated um, after some prayer and worship she was like I feel the Lord nudging us towards repentive prayer why don't we we go after that now as a group of women I know how I felt. I was like, well, okay, here we go. I don't know what that means. Um, How much do I have to own of this? But I knew I wanted it. I knew my heart was saying yes. Uh, So that was my reaction. I wasn't going to leave until we'd done that prayer. How did you feel, Kimmy, when you heard Mia say that? I felt I, I was excited for it. I didn't know what was going to come about, but I felt that repentance could lead us somewhere. And... And it did. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, it did. Alice, how did you feel? Yeah, I I really didn't feel like there was anything that I needed to repent of. But yet I felt like um, if God is saying, if that's what God is saying, then there has to be something. And um, so for me, what God highlighted is the heart and, you know, that I that I have carried in one way or the other, and the unforgiveness, the underlying unforgiveness that uh, could be there. And so it was profound for me. It was much needed. Sylvia, how did you feel when she when she stirred that up in us? Well, I had had my own personal encounter with the Lord a couple of days prior where I was just grieving the whole situation. So in that moment, Mm. for me, it was the releasing of the sound. That is what I had been asked to do. And and it was the first time I was doing it by myself. And so for me, it was truly releasing a sound. And I, I felt like that did something looking back. I didn't realize it in the moment, but looking back and I just remember feeling like just praying in the spirit and, and something was flowing, you know, through all of us. It was so powerful, but I do believe it was release a sound and don't stop releasing it. And something opened, powerfully opened, because I remember distinctly as prayer started to break out in the room. What was so powerful for me, and again, it's a hindsight thing when I look back on Mm -hmm. it, but I remember hearing these voices, each one owning their thing, like 
picking up their thing, their ancestral thing, whatever that might be, and lifting it up to the Lord without without uh, without hesitation. And it was very freeing. It was very it it helped to unlock that thing in me where I I guess on a level I was like, am I going to be the baddie again, the white girl in the corner? Am I? And and it wasn't like that, you know, and we we were laughing about it. It was like the United Nations in that room. We had a Jamaican, we had a Colombian, and yet these four African women as well were able to claim their part. Can you remember anyone else? I can remember something super powerful that you said, Kenny, hmm. which was, um, I, I repent for my people selling my my people because they were African people that had facilitated the sale of African people. That was so powerful. Yeah, I'd never heard that before. Never. So I, I felt, wow, I wow. just wanted to yes. pick up everything my people had ever done and and just boldly say, take this thing, Lord, I'm sorry. And if you remember, Alice, <laughs> I came, so I just have to paint the picture for the listeners, but Alice was on her new kitchen floor, hands down, Praying for healing, right? Healing of the land, healing, and, and, and to uncover whatever it is that you were supposed to release. But I just saw your hands on the on the kitchen tiles, and I remember the weight of Holy Spirit was thick on me, but I, I felt to lean to go towards you, you know? So I was kind of crawling across, and then the minute my white hands hit your black hands on the kitchen floor, I felt, I felt the sobs coming from a very, very deep place, and it was like it hit you at the same time, right? Yes. It, it's so real. And, you, you know, you, you just held me and hugged me, and, you know, you were repenting and telling me how sorry. You know, and I think uh, that's all I could get out of my mouth when I think about it now. It wasn't very articulate. But in the spirit, I remember thinking, all this stuff, whatever happened from my bloodline, from the, the white people I represent in Africa, because that's, that's my... That's my start point. All I could say to you was, I'm sorry. Right. I don't think I said anything else, did I? <laughs> yeah, yeah you, uh, you said you were sorry for what the white people had done to the Africans. And I, I was like, you know, I totally forgive you on behalf of my people. I totally forgive you. You're forgiven. I remember you saying, I release forgiveness in the name of Jesus. I release forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And uh, and as we knelt there hugging, there was like tears gathering in your glasses. I remember thinking it's like a little mini flood in there. But it was so clear and beautiful that, that we had that moment. And, and we do, I mean, we haven't spent a lot of time together, Alice, one-on-one. -on -one, but isn't that Jesus? That's Jesus. That sudden we were like, oh. <laughs> Holding on tight and like, it wasn't pretty on the kitchen floor, but it was beautiful, right? So I, I just wanted us to share that, that with everyone listening because I left that day really like so much lighter, not knowing if that thing was blocked and how it was going to get released. But, but Jesus pursued that space. How did you feel afterwards? I, I felt the freedom of yeah. God. Amen. You know, just the total release and what God can do when people just release themselves and are open to his moving and his doing. And it was so awesome. I, I was joyful too. It, it just released a joy within me just to know that God has this. It was amazing that of all things that God could pick on, he picked on this 
just to come and highlight it and just do such a work. Even in my own place, I was like, okay, God. Do you remember before we had our kitchen moment, there'd been prayer earlier on in that day. And as um, women celebrating the miracle of being married later in our lives, having our sisters declare again that children were possible for us because of a faithful God. And, uh, and we received that prayer. We, we, we prayed it over each other. And so we were expectant moms, if you like, by the time we'd finished with those prayers, right? And, uh, and then, of course, we went into repentance and had that moment on the kitchen floor, which was so, so deep. And I, I still believe that our hearts were experiencing way more than our brains could comprehend in that moment. It was supernatural. But both of us had the presence of mind at the end to recognize something of what that meant. Do you remember what we said as we held each other? I remember us saying, I can't wait to hold your baby. <laughs> and I remember saying, our babies will be free. Amen. Our Amen. children will be free. <laughs> May that be a resonating truth through the next generation because of what is happening in this land and because of how the kingdom, the children of God respond to the chance for healing in an in and around this thing. Yes. Amen. Amen. Can I go to you two ladies now? Your experience with um, with that moment, that repentance, did it have an effect on you? And what was that? You know, being in that room that day, it felt like for the first time in a long time, I felt like I was back to the origin. And the origin of like the household I grew up in, where race unites you know, we always spoke about seeing the differences and the beauty of everyone. And I, I remember thinking, this is what heaven looks like. Again, if we can repent, we can move forward. We can get past this. Yeah, I second that. It's because all throughout the scriptures we see where there's repentance, then God brings healing. Mm-hmm. And so I, That's I, so I the lightness of it all, knowing that, wow, if God brought us to this space to have all of these women together to repent and to release a new sound, then you know his goodness is bringing healing. Mm-hmm. Let's reflect on what our stories facilitates in others listening. Like what, what are the ways forward? Like how do we navigate this, would you say? Because it's, it's a lot. It's messy. It's heavy. We want, we want to have hope and joy and we want to see healing happen. What can we, you know, suggest about a way forward? I think we've all referenced what's happened in our own hearts. I think for, for me, it's being a safe space for my African sisters to not be silent and to not hold their pain in inside and to share it so that I can then release the sound as well with them, right? Because we need to be releasing that sound together. What is really happening? What is still happening? And let's, let's speak against that pain together. It's bringing all into the light, right? God says, bring the darkness into the light and I'll consume it. And so it's like in practical ways that truly is sharing, bearing one another's burdens so that they're not carrying this alone and in secret, but that we're all bringing it out together and bringing healing that way. That is beautiful. And I think, uh, you know, I, I often am reminded by the verse that says we shall overcome or we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our testimonies matter. 
And I think that when they're shared, that's also where we can find healing. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I I believe um, that true healing only comes uh, with a total surrender to God. And only God can bring us to a perfect uh, place where we can totally just work on it through relationship with each other, bearing one another's burdens and um, totally being open, just as Sylvia said, you know, not hiding our shame, really bringing it to the forefront and dealing with it in love for each other. And it's really just the way of the cross, just what Jesus identified or gave us through his, um, you know, his suffering, his love and suffering for us. He suffered for us and he gave his life that we might find redemption. And I think it is that bearing of one another's burdens, carrying it, that owning it, uh, where we, even if we've not really felt like it has affected us, but owning it and realizing that if others have suffered, it is there. We can't just hide it under the, the carpet. But we That's need right. to deal with it. Mm. Even as um, as African-Americans, dealing with it in love, carrying the heart, not carrying the pain and uh, unforgiveness, bringing it to the cross and surrendering it there. I mean, that that's it, right? And, and carrying each other's burdens requires um, relationship and investing in each other because that's where there's a greater chance of an honest exchange from the heart. So, so that's why community is so key right now. And that's why we just encourage people to, uh, to take the time to, to invest in relationship and then to, to experience each other's stories. And I think we, we're all really good at sharing, uh, not all of us, but I mean, sometimes we find it easier to talk than to listen. And, uh, I think it's super important that we we listen to each other's experiences too. Which I mean, everyone's nodding. So, for the sake of radio, there is agreement here. Um, so, so that is that's that's just a big deal. And I just I'm so grateful for the love that you've you've shared and the courage to talk on this issue because I know that it felt it feels big and scary. But relationship and hearts are not big and scary so we just we stay in that place and we just bless yeah we bless this uh, session and and every lady who's contributed thank you so much thank you mary thank you mary thanks guys thanks for tuning into the harbor church podcast i hope that you were enriched inspired and blessed by what you heard please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on instagram youtube facebook and twitter You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.